You are listening to the regular version of Sexy Marriage Radio, smrnation.com. You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex happens in the marriage bed. Here's your host, Dr. Corey Allen. Welcome back to another episode of Sexy Marriage Radio, where we're having straightforward, honest conversations about married life and all that goes on within it. Right. That it's about sex, but it's about life, it's about desire, it's about love, it's about romance, and it's about how the times when those things get, the bubble gets burst, um, and you realize there's something going on different than I thought was going to happen. Uh, we want to cover it all here at Sexy Marriage mm-hmm. Radio. And one of the ways we know where we're heading with each episode is from you, the Sexy Marriage Radio Nation. When you speak up, call in, email, and you can ve- you can leave us a voicemail at 214-702-9565 is the way we love to hear your voice and add it to the show. You can also send us an email at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. And everything that comes through into our inbox is read. Some of it is replied to offline. Some of it becomes episodes. Some of it becomes topics that will eventually be covered. But for the eight years of Sexy Marriage Radio now, um, it has really been listener-driven. So Sexy Marriage Radio Nation plays a vital role in helping create what this is. And so joining me again, as always, is my wife, Pam. Hey, good to be here. And where we are heading today... um, We've got several emails that have been, and messages that have just been in the queue. Good, that we need good. To get covered. Glad to hear that. <laughs> but also, I need to say, um, just a quick little uh, housekeeping, if you will, and almost a pseudo-celebration, if you will. Yeah. At least of letting everybody in the Sexy Marriage Radio Nation know that, you know, two weeks ago, we celebrated eight years. Mm-hmm. And that following weekend, so just a little bit over a week and a half ago, we topped seven million total downloads. Woohoo! As a show, that's great. which that's an, an unbelievable thing that here we are doing this in our living room, and it it spreads far and wide, and it's because of the listeners that it has become what it is today. So that's thank right. you so much, to the Sexy Marriage Radio Nation. A lot of sexy people out there. <laughs> Absolutely, there are, and we are so glad that you spend time each and every week to spend it with us. Mm-hmm. We also ask. Uh, because of this, we want to help spread the word. So jump on iTunes, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, however you choose to listen. Um, rate and review the show. Leave a comment. That helps spread the word that uh, Sexy Marriage Radio is a valuable source for quality information. Mm-hmm. So coming up on today's regular free version of Sexy Marriage Radio, like I mentioned just a minute ago, a couple of your, several of your questions and our answers. And on the extended version of Sexy Marriage Radio, which is deeper, longer, and there's no ads, you can subscribe at smrnation.com. We're going to dive into the idea of when one spouse says to another regarding whatever their wants or desires are, yeah, I'm just not ever enough for you. It's just Mm. never enough. Mm. And so we posed this question to the Sexy Marriage Radio Academy on a live Q&A call that took place this week. Right. And got some input from them as well as our thoughts on the subject as well. Yeah, there was some great conversation. Great conversation. And it's a chance to hear how that whole thing unfolded Mm -hmm. is what the extended content will be. And on that note, if you're not a member of the Sexy Marriage Radio Academy, um, 
check it out. There's been a vibrant conversation going on the last couple of weeks based on the topics we've been covering. Mm-hmm. And on last week's show with Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife. So you're missing out if you want a little bit more in-depth. Um, the, the Academy is the way you find that. And that's at smrnation.com forward slash smracademy. So all that's coming up on today's show. So to start us off today, Pam, there's an email that came in regarding the show that we did with Jeff Abraham, who was the CEO of Promescent. It's episode 431, The Challenges of Intimacy. Yeah. And in that dialogue that we had with him, um, it spurred a comment from a listener that was takes an issue, I guess, is with, sure. with, what, with the way something was posed okay. and, and then how I reacted to it. Okay. So the email goes, your guest Jeff Abraham made a comment about the line in the movie, You Complete Me, which is from Jerry Maguire. Uh-huh. I was surprised that you did not call him out on that. You may be a whole person when you're single, but when you get married, you're now a whole new person. God no longer sees two people, only one. From Genesis, then the two shall become one. You can no longer make independent decisions in God's eyes. Every decision after that is a couple's decision. Whether it's about money, time, or sex, it's a joint decision. You're no longer capable of making independent decisions. Every decision affects the other person in some way. You skim around this all the time. You reference high desire and low desire as independent values. There's really only one, and that is the desire level that we together agree upon. You say this all the time. If you're going to agree to have sex, then you need to be fully present. You need to be one in the act. If only one decides not to have their... not then they're sinning against their, the body because there is no agreement. The flip side is that it's also that this is also a sin. One person does not get to decide that they can have sex anytime they ask. That's also a sin against the body. It's a mutual agreement that is fair to both. You also talk about boundaries, which Paul talks about in Romans. One person may view something as sinful or distasteful, and you should not force them to sin. It may not be a sin to you, and I believe that God designed each person with their own unique moral compass. Outside of the Ten Commandments, each person has to decide what is right for them and live by that, but not force or coerce someone to go against their nature. You should not cause another person to sin. Thank you for the show. So. Yeah. There is um, a, a big disagreement in this with what he's proposing and what was not addressed if, as far as he's uh, seeing or hearing on the show right. with Jeff, that you complete me, um, I should have been upfront about it, I guess, is what he's asking. On why did I not call that to task? Because the two shall become one, so there's now independent, not, not two independent people. So what's your there's thought on There's just that? one. I wholeheartedly disagree with the... The whole concept of the two shall become one, meaning we no longer exist as individuals. Right. There's no independent decisions. There's I can't have my own decision. I, I yeah, yeah. I, I cannot buy into that. Um, I see it as the idea of the two shall become one. Just to take the verse out of from from Genesis. This is to me a spiritual concept mm-hmm. where we are one in spirit, but not one in body, except for, and I think this is an alluding toward the idea of the oneness that sex can create, Mm -hmm. because male-female sex is actually a connecting of the bodies, Mm -hmm. and also it's talking about the idea of the two shall create one, 
as in children. Okay. I think there's, I think that can be added into this equation. But I fully believe that according to the way I see scriptures and the way I try to live my life and our life, mm-hmm. Pam is a separate entity that is in charge of herself in and of itself, especially when it comes to her walk with God in Christ. Mm-hmm. If I stumble and she's still strong, I don't bring her down in God's eyes. Right. If I reject the faith and leave, I don't bring her down in God's eyes. Right. I change the spiritual dynamic of our relationship, absolutely. But I, I see that this concept of the two shall become one gets misused way too much in the Christian faith as leverage for we need to come to an agreement on this. We need to be in sync. We need to be in lockstep. We need to see eye to eye on that. And I just don't believe that happens on human level terms. We talk about how many topics there are that there's just gridlock. You don't come to an agreement. And I mean, that's that's half of the episodes that people email about saying, well, we're just at different levels. We can't come to an agreement. Right. Um, you know, how do you reconcile that? With this interpretation of becoming one, and you would you would get nowhere. You would make no decisions, right? Um, and I'll I'll regard. I'll agree in theory that his idea of that um, higher desire, lower desire, are independent values, and there should really only be one that we agree upon. Absolutely, that's kind of a goal. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that makes it go away of that difference that one of you is higher than the other. Yeah, one of you is lower than the other, and there there will be conflict and tension that happens in between it. And then when he gets into the idea of sinning against the body, if you force someone to be a, uh, involved in something, yes, you're in an area where you're wrong. But the pressure of wanting to do something with someone else makes it to where if you have two independent people, it becomes choice, which ultimately I think every human being wants to be chosen, wants to have free will and I, whatever I'm doing in the sexual realm with someone, I want them to choose to do that with me, not just placate me or be a, obligatory. Right, be forced to do it. Right. And so you want someone that is freely choosing to be a part of it. And if I don't have a self, I can't freely choose. Mm-hmm. So there is this element of, I think we take scriptures and we try to make them work in, in areas where maybe they just don't work. They're not intended. Hmm. And so we need to pull back at times to go more, okay, what's the context in which that's written? How do I keep it within that context and maybe extrapolate the, the, the ideas out of it or the principles out hmm. of it? But there's nothing in Scripture that says, here's how you do marriage, other than there's one that Paul talks about, if you choose to get married, there will be trouble. <laughs> so, right. But all of the others are, it gives you principles. It doesn't tell you the how-tos. Principles of submitting and respecting. And right. That. But w- I think that's also principles of society, mm-hmm. of submitting and respecting. When you're mm-hmm. talking about rulers and authorities and bosses and parents and children, and, I mean, all across the hierarchy of the way this whole thing is set up, that everything is a submission to something. Mm-hmm. And ultimately... The goal is we each are in submission to God, and maybe that then challenges us to be better in how we treat and submit and respect others. Mm -hmm. Hey, Corey and Pam, it's Nicole from the SMR Academy. 
Um, my question today is about sensate focus. I, my husband and I don't have much experience with it. We've tried and just kind of failed at it and we've never actually seen a legit sex therapist. Um, so if you could just provide more information on what exactly sensate focus is and how you do it, that'd be great. Um, my husband and I, we've been married for almost five years. We were, um, sexually active before marriage and then my guilt got to me. <laughs> and so for, Three of the five years that we dated, um, we didn't have any sex, no sexual touch. And I feel like that kind of no touch mentality followed us into our marriage. Um, my husband is still dealing with just getting used to the idea that he can actually touch me and be sexual with me now. <laughs> and we've been married five years. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we just want to get out of that rut <laughs> really badly uh, and have sex be more spontaneous and fun and just kind of come more naturally. Um, I'm thinking Sensate Focus may be able to help us, and if you could just provide more information on what exactly it is and how we can do that, that'd be great, because the times we've tried, um, we haven't been able to fully get out of our heads and into our bodies. So, love the show. Thanks so much. Bye. Thank you for the call, Nicole. Mm -hmm. Um, Sensate Focus is something from the 1960s that was created by Masters and Johnson, who are some of the forerunners of sex therapy that actually were willing to dive into the arena that was not being covered, studied, researched, experimented with, etc. And they were ones that kind of led that charge. And so Sensate Focus is a technique that a lot of sex therapists use to help couples um, address, in some regards, exactly what Nicole's asking. The one caveat I would add to be aware of Nicole is sensate focus does not necessarily help create spontaneity. Sensate focus largely is designed to help with addressing the anxiety surrounding sex and sexuality and touch because we all can have elements of anything that we might do when it comes to a sexual arena can reach to reach us to a point where we're uncomfortable and the anxiety spikes and that then leads to delayed ejaculation, premature ejaculation, inability to orgasm, and inability to get aroused because you just are, you're over, you're flooded. So sensate focus, does that mean sensation? Like it's, it's um, exercises on touching, uh, spending time um, caressing? Is that right. what the technique is? Along those lines, right? So, sensate focus is 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 a behavioral technique. It's behavioral exercises, okay. wherein a couple is given um, homework because this does not happen inside the therapist's office. This is something the therapist kind of walks them through. Here's what I want you to do, and then you have to set aside time to go do it, and then you come back to the next session and you talk about how it went. Okay, and a lot of times you're. So here's the here's a couple of things I just found that are the easiest way to kind of frame this, that there are several elements that are the foundation of sensate focus. It's mutual responsibility between partners for addressing sexual needs and concerns. And the mutual responsibility is a huge component of that. Okay. That it's both people being willing to do this. Mm -hmm. If one person is very reluctant or really hesitant or even... Uh, kicking and screaming, wanting to do it, it's you're not going to reap the same benefits. But if you're both interested in this, it you've got a higher rate of return of of good good results. 
so then it's information and education about function and sexual activity. That's just the whole concept of how things are supposed to work. Okay. What should work? What's wrong? What could get in the way? Because one of the first steps you do also is medical um, checkups, just oh, okay. to make sure everything's working. Because mm-hmm. anytime you're dealing with sex therapy, you got to look medically as well. Right. Um, a willingness to change and challenge your attitudes about sex. This is and this is the big one: getting rid of sexual performance anxiety, because a lot of times we get into sex with an attachment to outcome, where there's a goal. It's performance driven. Mm-hmm. And sensate focus is largely taking, removing that attachment to an outcome because there's really not an outcome you're seeking other than the education of what you can learn by going through the process. Which sounds like I'm reading something into this, so forgive me, Nicole, okay. if I'm reading into it. But when she's talking about her, her husband kind of had trained his mind to right stay away, right? right? And so it seems like there would be some anxiousness around that and potentially am I going to perform well if if I'm feeling like I've I've had to stay away for so long right um and now I kind of train my brain that way it, it it's not necessarily am I going to orgasm it but on the whole am I just going to perform well for you right and 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 this is where sensate focus is it's the mutual thing because a lot of times sensate focus is it's built on the foundation of you take turns. Okay. One person takes time to touch the other while the other is just focusing on that touch and the sensations that it provides, the the feelings associated mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. So um, this also, last, last two points, is it can help uh, improve communication around sex and sexual techniques, which that's a, one of the best ways to do this. Sure. Is as you're practicing sensate focus, talk, 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 talk. About yeah. what's going on. Get feedback about how that touch. I feels. like that. I don't like that. That's really good. High, harder, softer, lighter, whatever. Right. Right. So that's that's a great education for both of you. Uh, it can help reduce behavior problem behaviors and roles, and then it also the homework is where it really rise, it lies mm-hmm. as far as the importance. So, a lot of times when you're talking about sensate focus, what it actually is, is you set aside time. Um, typically you're talking 30 minutes to an hour where you equally divide the time where we, you start off on what helps you both relax and move into the situation. So oftentimes a hot shower, a bath, Mm -hmm. hot tub time, something that just kind of helps you calm down, Mm -hmm. relax, walk into a good, warm, comfortable, inviting environment. Mm -hmm. Candles are lit, maybe some soft music's playing. Um, and then, it's a it's a predetermined a lot of times. Sometimes it can be on the moment determine who goes first, and that's where they just get to lay and experience your touch. It's not a massage; it's a touch exercise. Okay. And a lot of times, the uh, when you're first entering into this arena, uh, genitalia is off limits. And we've talked about this before. It's the following each other's touch without the genitalia being involved. Right. Where I love the idea of adding another layer to it where you put your hand on your spouse's hand as they are initiating the touch to help your brain follow it. Same kind of concept, but it adds a little more of a connectedness. Mm -hmm. Sensate focus in and of itself is largely they touch you while you focus in on your body and what's going on with you, not so much what your partner is or isn't doing. Okay. And that's where 
some of the theory and differentiation in the Schnarch training I've got uh, contradicts this process. Of, Is that right? Or, or doesn't, not necessarily contradicts it, but isn't as in favor of it because if you get to the true tenets of sensate focus, it largely is disconnected touch. Because I'm sitting there just focusing on the sensation and how it affects me. Rather. I'm trying, yeah, I'm just going into my own body to the okay. exclusion of you. Okay. And vice versa. Okay. Because there are, there's also power in the idea of how do I touch you? And just focus on the experience of what's going on with me while I'm touching you. Mm -hmm. And so there's nothing wrong with that. And that's uh, my thinking's changed on some of this over the years where I'm less against it because I can see a lot of value in the entry into now we can start bringing in more connected touch and some of those exercises. Because if I can't, if I can't even get in touch with my own body, as Nicole mentioned, right, then I'm missing a whole component of what marriage could be. Well, and I think that's what so many, uh, and I'm going to say women here, I think that's what so many women, know, that I don't know what I want. I don't really know how I like right. touch. And so it seems like that could be a good avenue to, yes, it can. Um, to figure that out. But there's also an element of figuring this out with sensate focus. I can also do this solo. Sure. I can, I can yep. practice and experiment with different ways to touch self. And it's not just sexually or masturbation, but there's an element of just how do I get in touch with who I am as a person? Mm. And then how do I deal with the anxiety that actually can happen when another person is involved in that? Mm -hmm. And that's where we get off the rails because you can get to where you're really experiencing your body well, but when someone else comes into the picture as their anxiety or their facial expressions or their word or their mm -hmm. pleasure or, I mean, because this is one of the things that we've seen in, in several of the emails over the years of Sexy Marriage Radio, that a husband's trying to last longer, but when he recognizes his wife is really into it, that's too much anxiety. It's too much to last any longer. Yeah. Because she's so turned on, it turns him on even all the more. Yeah. And, which is a reality mm -hmm. of it. And so it's figuring out, this is a venture into it, and I give you... Uh, Credit for asking the question, Nicole, mm. because this is one of those things that you absolutely venture into it, try it out, and then have conversations throughout and after on how did that go? Where were you? Where was I? Because then the whole goal to me is how do I still steer this to where it's each of us being involved in our own lives and each other's mm -hmm. in those moments so that I recognize not only how this all feels, but who I'm with too. Right. All right, so an email also came in in the past couple of months, Pam, from a wife that just says, Hello, I was wondering if you had an episode on toys in marriage, like the do's and the don'ts. If not, I have some questions. I recently bought a vibrator, or a dildo for lack of a better word, and my husband saw it and flipped out, like smashed it out with a hammer, cut it with a knife, and threw it away, flipped out. I hadn't even taken it out of the box and had had it for three weeks. He said it's the first step, stepping stone to cheating. I never have, nor will I ever cheat on him. My mom cheated, His mom cheated on his dad, so there's a history there, but that's not me. We've played with other toys in the bedroom, like an anal plug or a bullet, so I don't understand this reaction. Like I said, it hadn't even been opened. I bought it for the times when I want it, but he's too tired. Thank you. 
P.S. We've been married nine years, engaged for two before that, dated on and off through high school. So we've basically been together for 14 years. Okay. So on the subject of do we have any episodes on toys? Yes, we've got three or four through the history and the archives, uh, starting all the way back in episode 30 and 132. But the more pointed ones that are worth checking out would be episode 366, Mm -hmm. which is the idea of toys, erotica, and fantasies. Right. And then the other one that I think is most applicable is episode 344, which is when sex toys feel like a threat. Mm. And that's one that is worth exploring because this sounds like that can be an element of what's going on. Because if you're talking about a vibrator slash dildo that is representative of the penis, yeah, there is this element in, in some men for sure that that is threatening. Because if you use that, what do, what do you need me for? Sure. Right? Because the other things that they've tried, those are a little more specific in what they do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm curious if she told him she was buying it or if he just stumbled upon it and that and that reaction didn't go well right if he didn't know it was there it's that'd be like me stumbling upon a a playboy or something i'm like what the heck really so sometimes how it's introduced i'm sure they the two of them know the details but so in essence you're you're describing pam that it's not necessarily the item itself it's it's the discovery of it that was the issue rather than had she brought that forward and said hey i want to i'm going to do this because this is sometimes you're tired and i'm interested and this is a, a means that i can experience it's, a little more it's, pleasure it's an assumption i don't know she didn't i don't think say, you're off base with that um but you know if i stumble across something and didn't know that you were even thinking about it i might i might be thrown off and think what the heck what why why wasn't this a part of our conversation right. I, I'm, so recovering from that is harder yeah potentially so yeah so well there's that's maybe, a f- maybe there's a thought process there that there's there's definite through. truth to that that having something disclosed to you even when it hurts or is threatening or you're unsure is far better than discovering something yeah because then you get into this, because that's that's where she's on to it, even to the degree of it's the stepping stone to cheating. And she's like, that's not us, but that's that's his history. Right. That's it, what he's been exposed to. Yes. Kudos to her for recognizing, okay, there there's something he experienced in his past. And right. That, and it's very hurtful. And, um, and so this is an element of, cognizant of I was kind of going behind his back in a way. Mm. And while she could see it as it's not a threatening thing, mm-hmm. I don't see anything wrong with it. There's nothing moral that I'm doing that's a, an affront mm-hmm. to him, mm-hmm. which is one of those differences of I can see something on a different scale than my spouse is going to. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't necessarily mean I have to come down to their way of doing it. That's what we're going to talk about in the extended show mm-hmm. of the moves that we make, um, trying to get more comfort in the stability of my relationship rather than recognizing I got to do it for myself too on look at my role in this. So there is an element of how do you just recognize that if this is something you're interested in exploring, then bring it forward in the conversations to at least keep him involved in the conversation about here's my rationale. Here's what I'm planning. 
And I'll even go so far as to let you know when it's used or you're willing to be a part or, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can still head down that road without forcing it, but at least be more open about this is what I'm looking for and this is why. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it's worth a, um, how, how would you recommend if, if a couple comes into your office and, and that's his reaction, pounding it with a hammer and I mean, totally demolishing this thing, Mm -hmm. right? That, that's a statement as well. Um, well, how do you, how do you yeah, respond? The to first that question, thing? if they're both in front of me, is asking him, what's the meaning of that item to you? Yeah. What is that? Because it's not, it's likely not because it's a vibrator. Right. It's something else. It means something else. And that's what he's even alluded to it. It's a stepping stone to cheating. Right. At, in some regards, it's an overreaction because. Mm-hmm. If, if this is, this goes into that myth we have that happens in marriage a lot, that if I'm not involved sexually, then my spouse is going to go find it elsewhere. Well, that's keeping, that's looking at your spouse in a pretty low regard mm-hmm. that they can't, they have no moral structure. They have no character. They have no integrity mm-hmm. that ultimately, yes, that could happen, but you could be the most sexually involved person in the world and a spouse could still go elsewhere. Right. So I cannot control another person no matter how magical my genitalia may or may not be, does not mean they're going to stay involved with me. It's their personal choice, right? Right. So so it's being able to see it as what is the meaning underneath it. And she's she's already on to it. She is. That, yeah. Okay, there's a bigger picture that we're talking about here. So how do I at least knowledge, acknowledge that dynamic, mm-hmm. not have to live accordingly to it all the time? Because that's tyranny of the lowest common denominator. But I got to at least acknowledge where they are yeah. and bring it forward and then make my next step. Mm-hmm. Because maybe it's not a toy that's more like the dildo and the phallicness of it. Maybe there's a toy that's like the bullet that can still get the same job done. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's some other things that provide the pleasure and, and the release that you're looking for when he's not interested that he's also on board with too. Mm-hmm. And maybe there's an, a, a route that hasn't been explored just because you need to both come at it from a less reactive stance and a more, here's where I am. Here's what I'm looking for. What do you think? And then we see where we go next. Yeah. Well, it's been a while since like you and I have done a full show. It has been. <laughs> it seems. It has been. We've had a lot of guests. and. Um, well, it's the end of second busy tax, busy of, season. End of tax season. With, I appreciate tax- you <laughs> being flexible with me. So... Uh, it's fun to have you back on the air, babe. Yeah, it's really nice to be here. <laughs> it I've, really is. I've missed doing this with you. Yeah. Um, well, this has been Sexy Marriage Radio. If there's something that we left undone or um, you didn't like the way we took it, we want to know. Let us know. Because I hope over the years of Sexy Marriage Radio, we've at least proven we will handle and want the, the, the pushback. There's a lot that we can learn from each other. Mm-hmm. So Sexy Marriage Radio plays a huge role in that. So thank you very much for showing up each and every week to spend it with us. So wherever you are, whatever you've been doing, I hope that this week is a fabulous one for you. See you next time.